Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. That man was absolute dog water. All right, all right. Bill's Mafia, how are we doing this week? Thank you so much for choosing to spend your Monday with me. You're listening to Buffalo on the Brain. I'm your host, Vince Taylor. I hope you're listening to me on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. By the way, did you know that we have a YouTube channel as well? And now we actually have content seven days a week on both the podcast channel and the YouTube channel. So I encourage you to please go out there and check that out. Leave some thoughtful reviews. We'd really appreciate it if you like what you hear. We are fresh off another successful exhibition outing where our bills are looking, well, really good. Really good in in mostly all phases of the game. I'm feeling very optimistic about the season more and more. We'll definitely talk about that. I also have a great hot seat for you guys this week. We have Dan Konopsky. You guys all might know from his friendship quest with long snapper Reed Ferguson, which was successful. And newcomer to the hot seat this week over from the Hoof podcast, Sterling Furrow. I like this guy immediately. I was a fan of his podcast, but when I finally got to talk to him a little bit, we talked a long time off air as well, but I, I really... I really like this guy's personality. I'm a big fan of those three over there. I'm hoping to get Anthony here on here on the hot seat someday after he gets settled down. Before we get into all of that, I want to talk about what I saw and how that might affect some roster chances because, you know, there's some things happening that maybe none of us, maybe not none of us, but a lot of us didn't see coming. For example, Reggie Gilliam getting some tailback carries, getting the short yardage carries. And Tony Williams got no carries this week at all. But I felt like as soon as he was moved over to fullback, it was a no-brainer. I am, I'm kind of embarrassed that didn't occur to me before, but I, th- I think his roster spot is very safe. And I, I don't care about the two short yards touchdowns. I, I think that having him as a blocker is going to be the key to unlocking the running game. We didn't use one last year. And... We used one in 2019 when the running game was a little bit more successful, namely Devin Singletary. So I, I think Reggie Gilliam is is going to be a lock for his versatility. Remember last year he was a tight end. I think we're going to see him catching balls out of the backfield. I think we're going to see him making great blocks. I think we're going to see him getting short yards carries from both fullback and halfback. So roster lock, roster lock, write that down. I'm also still having a little bit of concern over horrible Harry. Yes, he's hurt again. We heard today that it might be a little bit longer. So I don't really know what that means. It's the same injury he had a couple years ago. I His roster chances are getting very slim. Even if he can come back and make it and somehow be okay for the start of the season, just having him as an injury concern makes me think that 
maybe we want to carry an extra defensive tackle just to kind of guard against that a little bit. Where are you going to cut from, right? Because I think our defensive ends are looking fantastic. Uh, how many defensive ends are we are we carrying? I think we might carry five. I think you got to count Jerry Hughes in. I think you got to count Epinenza and the two picks this year. For, we're at four already. And how do we feel about Mari Addison? Well, he could be expendable. I don't care what his contract says. And, you know, Daryl Johnson is going to be attractive. So there's a lot of decisions to be made. And and that's not even counting Effie Obata. So I know that a couple of those guys have position flexibility, right? So Obata can play some tackle. And so can Boogie Basham. But to me, that's not what you want. I think you want your tackles to play tackles and you want your ends to be ends. And it's nice to be able to move those guys around in some situational pass rushes. But I don't know. Now you're, I mean, who are you going to cut from this group, right? So if you're going to keep an extra defensive tackle or seven wide receivers or Reggie Gilliam's making the squad, you know, there's some really tough decisions to be made here and it's going to hurt. <laughs> there is no way around this. This is going to hurt. And of course, we're all hoping for Brandon Bean to come up with some of his Brandon Bean magic and get us a pick where nobody's expecting it. But I have a counter proposal and I know you rarely see player for player trades in the NFL. It doesn't happen that often. Usually a player is traded for a future pick, but I just wonder if there's a team out there that's got a surplus of, say, cornerbacks or offensive line, because I want to go for this year. A pick next year is fantastic. I'd rather have that than nothing, but I want to win the Super Bowl, and I want a player that's going to help me this year or maybe shore up one of my weaknesses, which I think is the backup secondary, which, by the way, I'm not bashing on the secondary. I'm a Levi supporter. I think we could have upgraded there, but I think there's some risk there. You know, Wild Goose is probably going to make the the final roster. He had a better day against the Bears than he did against the Lions. But, you know, there's still some concern there. He does get grabby, and it doesn't seem like he's using his speed like he should. So, I mean, most likely going to grow into it. I think he's going to make the roster. But is there an upgrade? Is there a team out there that's got a surplus that could use a defensive tackle or a defensive end? Is there a player for player trade that makes sense with both, you know, salaries matching up and contracts matching up where I, I don't know. It's not the norm. I recognize that, but I, it's just something that's crossing my mind and I'm not putting it past Brandon Bean to think outside the box like this. Of course, still, um, I'd rather have something rather than nothing. If we can get a pick, that's fantastic. But if we can get a guard, that can come in and take the place of maybe even be an upgrade from a guy like Botker or, you know, even just a depth piece. I think that's more valuable this year than maybe what a pick will be for next year. That's just my thinking. Now, I know what you're thinking. There's going to be roster cutdowns on other teams. In fact, we have roster cutdowns. If you're listening on a Monday, it'll be Tuesday. So it'll be tomorrow. But I'm talking about getting upgrades. I'm not talking about catching end of the roster camp bodies. We are going to get rid of maybe a player or two that is starting caliber. And if we can get one in return, not through the waiver wire when cuts are made or the free agent market, like I I don't even know if you're going to get the upgrade there that you're looking for. And if you do, it's probably not going to be at the reasonable price you want unless it's the end of the roster guy. 
but a trade, a trade that makes sense. But like I said, it's a good problem to have and not one that most Bills fans are used to having uh, until Brandon Bean comes around and starts working magic and getting picks for Russell Bodine and Lee Smith, who says he's going to retire. But, you know, there's still a lot of roster decisions to be made here and lots of eyeballs on, on those positions right now, including the wide receivers. You know, we have Marquez Stevenson got hurt the other day. That's interesting. I wanted Marquez Stevenson to be the end of the roster receiver and kick returner. Now he had a punt return, which I didn't really expect them to be taking punts because he hasn't really done it a ton, but punt return touchdown. Now, up until this point in the preseason and training camp, the returners have all been, from all reports, pretty underwhelming. McKenzie had been the best one, but we'd had had trouble securing the ball, and we saw McKenzie, you know, with that fumble, thankfully got it back against the Bears. But does this open up a spot for Lance Lenore if Marquez Stevenson ends up being hurt for a while? I don't know if we're going to keep seven wide receivers. And by the way, I was famously been on many shows on this network talking about how I'm not a believer in Jake Kumaro, but who behind him is stepping up to take that spot. If it's not going to be Marquez Stevenson, however, his injury is going to affect that. Maybe not even Lance Lenore, even if we're hearing he's doing well, he can return kicks and punts as well. So I guess that's a possibility, but you know, Jay Kumro has got to be the leader. And I'm starting to buy into that a little bit. I was never actively rooting against him. I was just pessimistic about his real chances for making the roster. So he caught the touchdown this week. That's great. He had a five targets in all, caught just two of them. One of them, he was kind of tied up with the defender and he had maybe tried to catch it one-handed uh, the first drive of the game, that was going to be a tough one for him to make. Can't really be too mad at him for that. The defender was right there. He had another one that was thrown behind him. He really had no chance to catch. And then later in the game, I think his other miss was one where he should have caught. You know, the defender was there, but he he should have caught that one. He had a nice catch on the sideline. I think maybe it was later, just before the half. It was a nice comeback route, caught it there in the sideline. That was a nice catch. And, of course, the touchdown. But what I don't see from him is tons of separation. He doesn't look like a separation guy. He's just a big body guy that's making these catches pretty much in front of the defensive backs. That's not something we have on the roster either. So that could be a point in his favor. I believe I saw him get a special teams tackle. Somebody please tell me if I'm wrong on that. But maybe I'm starting to buy into the Jake Kumro hype just a little bit more. But. Moving on, I have plenty of notes here about the Bears game. It's fun to watch these preseason games suddenly. Like I, I Maybe it's because I missed it from last year. Maybe because there's only three, maybe they mean more now. But I'm more invested in what I see from these preseason games maybe than I had been in the past. But this game started out pretty good. I was very happy with the way we were collapsing the pocket pretty regularly. And I know that the offensive line is not a strength of the Bears. It wasn't a strength of the Bears last year. And I know they had their second round pick, Tevin Jenkins. A lot of folks wanted him to go in the first round. So getting him in the second was a good move. Unfortunately, he's got back surgery. I don't know when he's coming back. So, yes, 
it's against the Bears. And yes, it's preseason, but this is what we want to see. We want to see them making plays because I would be much more concerned if they hadn't been able to do that against the Bears. But started out well. Started out horrible. Harry had a pass defense, got his hand up there. Tyrell Adams got a start. He's getting a fair shot. He's getting a look. He didn't get a long look last week. And of course, you know, Andre Smith had a great game last week. So Tyrell Adams gets the nod this week. Um, but again, just impressed with the way the defensive line was going up against that Bears offensive line. McKenzie had a couple of good punt returns, very involved in the offense early. I think they just kept going to him in the slot over and over again. Uh, of course, Trubisky with the revenge game. I don't really make too much of that. Uh, it's fun. It's a fun story, I guess, but I don't know if, how much that really matters to me. As I said, Kumro had that drop on the first series of the game. It was a tough one. He w- the defender was right there. Like I said, Kumro, at least to my eyes, doesn't get a lot of separation. He just kind of uses his body. And the defender was right there. That was going to be a tough catch for him. He would have tried to maybe snag it in the air one-handed. That that wasn't a great opportunity for him to make a catch there. Knox, you know, I, I was watching the NFL Network broadcast, and they said, there's Dawson Knox, who had a great year, great year last year with Josh Allen. I'm like, what game were you watching? Uh, I know that the national guys don't pay as much attention to you know the team as we might, but, I mean, a quick search of his stats would have told you that. He also said the same thing about uh, Devin Singletary. There's Devin Singletary who had a great year last year. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> but, you know, can't really fault the national guys too much. But at least look at the stats. Dawson Knox had another drop. Looked like he was a little bit worried about the hit there. I think it was one early in the game, maybe on the second drive of the game. Uh, easy catch. Just dropped it. Looked like he was worried about getting hit there. But what I like to see, and what I was curious about last year for the run game was we always tried to shove the ball up the middle. There was nothing there. We're just going to take the ball and we're going to jam it up the middle and Moss and Singletary are going to have to make a move before they even get back to the line. Yesterday against the Bears, because I'm recording on a Sunday, what we saw was you know some pitch plays. And one of my old school favorites from Tecmo Bowl, where they fake the inside dive to the fullback and then they pitch it outside. I used to love that play playing Tecmo Bowl. But last year, that's something that I wanted to see a lot more was pitches. You know, And you can say, well, we didn't have the running backs with speed. Well, worked yesterday. So Singletary still looking good. Yes, he's going to be RB1 for whatever that means. It means... He probably gets 11 carries and Moss gets nine, something like that. But uh, I've always been a motor supporter. I still think he's the best running back on, on the roster. You can, he never gets hit hard and he always falls forward. And yes, he's a little bit tougher than I think the credit than he gets credit for is what I want to say. But I also think he's really good at angling his body. Nobody's ever squared up on him. He's going to get by you, and you're going to tackle him, sure, but you're going to be dragging him down from the side. You're never really getting a solid shot at Devin Singletary when he has the ball. And to me, I'm in the vast majority here, but when you look at what Devin Singletary does and what Barry Sanders used to do, there's not a big difference. The big difference is maybe acceleration and top-end speed, but agility and vision and balance it's right there. It's on par with Barry, and I'm going to die on that hill. We also saw a couple of good runs from Moss. I'm always looking to get those from him because I'm still underwhelmed by him. I'm still not believing in you know his ability, I guess, 
even compared to Devin Singletary, I, I, I still think Devin Singletary is the better back. But it was nice to see a good run from him. Good block by Reggie Gilliam on his near touchdown run. Um, you know, I, I got to be fair. The same excuses that we had for Devin Singletary last year have to apply to Zach Moss and the offensive line. And maybe not having the fullback in there is an excuse. But I'd like to see it from him this year. If we can get that combo going, like I guess the original plan was, the offense is just that more effective, that much more effective. And yes, it will mean statistical regression from Josh Allen if if all goes as planned. But I'm not worried about it. I don't care about stats. I care about winning. Josh is going to eat. Josh is going to have games where he needs to throw. But if that running game is effective, I really don't mind if we use that running game to salt a lead away or you know, when the running, when the game plan calls for, if we can call on that rather than having Josh run a QB sweep because we need to get four yards, I don't want to see that anymore. So I'm feeling cautiously optimistic, have some questions about the backup interior offensive lineman. Like I said, I'd I'd still like to get an upgrade there if we could, but the, the addition of Reggie Gilliam in the backfield, I think is, is going to be big. And I think that might be the difference. Uh, back to the defense for just a moment, kind of going through my notes here. Uh, yes, I am very satisfied with AJ Epinesa. However, I wanted, I made a note here. There was a, a chance where he had a tackle in the backfield and he just looked lethargic and weak. Like the running back came over and he's just like, uh, and he got his arms on him, but the guy just broke away and AJ made no attempt to go after him. He just basically sat there and watched it was just, it was a weird snap for AJ. Of course, he made up for it. Certainly, he had other plays. One that comes to my mind, and I want to go back and give some context here, but if you watch Bills Embedded from around draft time, they had, uh, and I believe it was from last year, they had AJ Epineza in the room talking with Brian Dable and Coach McDermott, and they asked him, what does he model himself after something like that? I believe was the question. And he was talking about the move that Von Miller made on Cam Newton in the Super Bowl, where he basically reached behind him and stripped the ball out. And uh, they kind of poked fun at him because they were like, did you realize that, you know, coach McDermott and Brandon Bean were part of the Carolina uh, team at that point. And he was just like, "Uh, no, I did not realize that. So they kind of kidded him about it, but that's the move that he had yesterday. He came around, I believe it was Andy Dalton, and it was a fumble. Like, it was close. I think I wouldn't have been upset if they called it a forward pass because his arm was moving forward, but it was a Tom Brady rule. It was really that close. And he got credit for uh, causing a fumble there. And it was because I was just watching that video earlier today, so uh, it was fresh in my mind, but I like to see that. AJ had several good plays, and, of course, AJ and Groot did his thing again. Um, this time last week, he did it on the out, the offensive tackles outside shoulder. He uses right arm to basically stiff arm the, the guy back and then uses left arm to get the quarterback this week. He kind of did it differently. He, uh, was walking the offensive tackle back with both hands, used his left hand and went on the inside and grabbed the quarterback down that way. And on the NFL broadcast, they were basically just saying how great he was. And then boom, right on cue goes in for the sack. So another one, I, I, I know it's the bears. I know it's preseason, but I'm, I'm buying in, I'm buying into the defensive line hype. So Ron Neal had a couple of nice tackles pretty early, 
got beat on that long touchdown by Andy Dalton. You know, every time he's in coverage, I I just think he's a liability. And it's concerning to me that on the depth chart initially, we had him as the, the backup slot corner. Well, we don't like him at safety. We don't like him at outside corner. And that's where he got beat today was outside corner. But I'm, I don't know. I If that guy's going to keep a roster spot only because of special teams, I don't know. I, I mean, there are plenty of people smarter than me who can go through and, and make the picks. But I'm concerned about him being anything more than just a depth piece. I, I don't want to see him on the field at all during defense. And to me, you know, guys that only do special teams are less valuable. And, and that's just my thinking. I don't have to be right about that, but that's just the way I think about it. Matt Breida had a, a nice little almost TD reception. Looks like it was called back, but we didn't get a chance to see Matt Breida break into that next gear last week against the Lions. We did see it this week a little bit. And I, I still keep saying Matt Breida's spot is safe. He's not going anywhere. If you look at his stats at the end of the year, they're not going to look like much. But I think he's going to have a play or two per game that is going to be big, and it's going to be difference-making. He's, um, he's here for a reason. He has a speed dynamic that we don't have on the roster. That's not new. That's not a hot take. We all know that. But just for that reason, I think he's, his roster spot is safe. And I think there's going to be situational times where he comes in and maybe he catches a screen pass, or maybe they just run him on a draw. But there's going to be times this year where he makes big plays, and we're going to be glad he's there. So if you're asking me, I think his roster spot is completely safe. Boogie Basham uh, had a better day this week than I think he did last week. You know, when you look at him, he is the epitome of a try-hard player. I feel like he's always around. You know, I don't think we've seen him make plays yet, but I I think he might be still learning. And, of course, I was happy to see that he got a block uh, extra point. You know, that could maybe cost somebody else a roster spot if he's going to be doing that. But um, this week I thought he was much better. You know, he's he is the epitome of a try-hard player. He's giving it all. He's maybe not fast. Like, I don't think speed's his game. But he's a strong player, and you can see him muscling up on the offensive tackles. So I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by Boogie this week, and I'm not really worried about anybody on the line, even if they play terrible during a preseason game. But that is very encouraging to me. Uh, Marcus Stevenson also had a pretty bad drop. Duke Williams was pretty absent, again, for the second week in a row. You know, as much as the Duke Williams hive out there gets excited about Duke. I think his chances are it's gone. He's, he's just not making the roster. He's probably on the practice squad again, but his whole career has been almost, almost the dropping passes like that. He had another grab that he just couldn't make, but he was so close. That's, that's Duke every time. And it's kind of sad because I I was rooting for Duke as after all, like he is talented uh, at least by my standards, but I believe he led the CFL in receiving. So there's reason to be optimistic, but it just feels like every time he gets a chance, it's just not quite. Everybody is talking about the hit Andre Smith put on Justin Fields in the second half, and I loved it. I loved it. He was completely untouched. It looks like the running back just didn't even notice that he was coming, and he's kind of going out for the flare left Justin Fields all alone. What I hate 
and I hate so much. And I know there are people out there with a different opinion, but I don't know what you're supposed to do because you saw last week somebody get flagged for going too low, which, yeah, I don't know. Don't love that either. But he didn't hit him in the head, at least not purposely. If it was, it was incidental. He didn't lower his head. He didn't try to spear him. And I realize that's not the rule, but he was completely untouched. He wrapped his arms around him, didn't fall on him with his body. I don't know what the NFL wants him to do in that situation. And that's sad because I understand they're trying to be more safety conscious, but that is just taking the game out of the game, if if that's a thing. But just weak, weak flag. I didn't like that. I wouldn't, even if it happened against Josh, I, I think I would still feel the same because you're a quarterback, you need to be getting hit. And sometimes the NFL can go a little bit overprotective. I really think they threw the flag just because it looked so violent and his helmet came off. If it had been, you know, somebody that didn't hit as hard, if Tremaine Edmonds makes that sack and he goes down softly, it's probably, it's probably not a penalty. But um, yeah, I hate that so much. Andre Smith's having a great preseason. He does play special teams. Man, that linebacker spot, I guess I didn't talk about earlier. Maybe I should have, but that's interesting to me too. We have Tyrell Adams, who has had some success in the league. We have Tyrell Dotson, who knows the system, played well last year. I have A.J. Klein, who, I don't know. That's interesting. I, I think that Andre Smith is making a case. I think it's going to be hard to keep him off the roster. And maybe... He's not just a special teams player as what we thought he was last year. Still not really impressed with either of the third or fourth string quarterbacks. I know they brought in from earlier this week, man, that rainbow pass took everything he had just to get it like 40 yards. And it was just so far up in the air that that's not a good pass. He doesn't have that ability. And I, I don't like that. Uh, still very anti from Davis Webb had a bad day couple fumbles i think he had a pick i don't remember if that pick was called back or not but um yeah he he had a bad day and i'm not super worried about either one of them losing their roster spot if i had to guess if i had to put money on it i think davis webb sticks i think they both probably stick on the practice squad but i stand by my take if josh allen were to get injured early in the season for a long period of time i'm not talking about like a week or two i'm talking like six eight weeks and Mitch Trubisky came the starting quarterback, became the starting quarterback. They wouldn't elevate either one of those two guys. I stand by that. I think they'll go out and they find another veteran that comes in and take the roster spot. Those guys stay on the practice squad. That's my feeling. Uh, neither one of them are very good. And um, I don't know. I guess there's really not a lot either one of them could do to change my opinion at this point. Even if they're in a preseason game and they had came out and they were amazing, I'm still, I don't know. I just, I don't know if there's anything that either one of those guys could do to make me believe that they're really ever going to be a true backup quarterback. One other thing I noticed, because as much as I hated that Andre Smith hit, there was a play in the game where I believe it was Mitch Trubisky broke off a run along the sideline, stepped out of bounds, and still took a hit. It was uh, probably a full two seconds after he stepped out of bounds. The linebacker or cornerback came over and hit him. Hard enough to knock him on the ground. There was no call. There was no call. They didn't talk about it on the broadcast. 
And I don't know. See, these are things. How is that not a penalty? It's a quarterback, right? So I don't know. I, I know that it's not. That's the cool thing to do is to always complain about the officiating, but I don't like that. I really hate the taunting rule so much because I know that's not going to be applied consistently at all this year. Tom Brady is going to get low, uh, away with fucking everything like he always does. And then, you know, Josh Allen spinning the ball is going to be called. It's just, that's the way it is. And I know that's the cool thing to do to complain, but I just hate that so much. One thing I did not notice was Bobby Hart. That is probably the nicest thing I've ever said about him. And I mean that wholeheartedly. I didn't notice him today, and that is probably good for him. But these Buffalo Bills are having fun. You can tell where they're on the sidelines. You can tell where they're maybe having a little bit of fun at practice. We've seen some several videos of them doing that. This is going to be a continuation from last year. I've said pretty much since all offseason, barring an injury to 17, if all the wheels completely fall off, this is still a 10 and seven team and we still have an AFC East title and we're going to the playoffs. No worse than the number four seed, but I don't think the number one seed is completely out of reach. I still might think that we're number two, but this is a good team. And in the playoffs, anything can happen, especially if we get that defensive line playing like we think they can. Like I think most of us are buying into the hype on this preseason that we're seeing from this, Boogie Basham, Groot, Epineza coming along, Jerry Hughes we have not even seen yet. We have not seen Addison. We're seeing Effie Obata. This is just a good group of defensive ends. And, hey, we need to see more Ed Oliver. But this season should be fun. I'm 100% turned up on this. I have not been this excited about Bills football in basically all my life, even when, you know, the early 90s when I was remembering as a kid, I, I never felt this way. So uh, I hope you all feel the same. We have, is it real or is it silly? We have Dank filling in for Justin this week. I know it's a second time and he's already going to be dropping out on me. No, I'm just kidding. I love you, Justin. He was uh, up in the mountains and didn't have any good reception. It was not the plan. He had some other plans to make arrangements for this and he couldn't be there. So Dank agreed to fill in and he's always a fun and entertaining conversation. And we also have the mafia hot seats. We have this week, Dank taking a spot, but also Sterling furrow. So I hope you all enjoy that. But first, just one little quick break. Hi there, Bills Mafia. This is Vince Taylor from Buffalo on the Brain on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. I'm here today to tell you about a great new product you may have already heard of. It's called the Brother Bill, and it combines the great taste and energy boost of a morning cup of coffee along with the refreshing cold brew taste of Labatt's Blue. But did you know you can enjoy the great taste of a coffee beer in your own home? All you gotta do is replace the water in your Keurig machine with a nice cold Labatt's brew. And then bam, you get that magical coffee beer combination. Mmm, delicious. Who's ready to break some tables? You can have it with your breakfast. Yes, excuse me, waitress. I think I will have two eggs over easy uh, a side of bacon and white toast with butter. Oh, yes, to drink. Yes, that'll be a brother bill. No sugar, no cream. I drink it black like a man. 
delicious and brother bill approved perfect for any game day wake up call this fall while you're watching the bills so remember this fall when you're looking for something that's going to pump you up you know what to do get yourself a brother bill and scream bills by a billion to the top of your lungs go bills i'm aware of how destiny is going to take its course brother Hey everyone, this is T, one half of Not Your Average Podcast in the 716. We discuss Bill's news, world news, music, movies, and a lot more. You can check us out every Thursday at 4 o'clock. We are also on Facebook at 2 o'clock. So you can go there and check us out as well. Get your answers, your questions, anything you want to you know, shoot at us, we'll try to answer it. We also are excited to be on the Building Buffalo Network. The content over here is awesome. So go check us out. We are new to it, but we enjoy talking and discussing football. So, like always, go Bills. Hello. I have a fun game for y'all today. It's called, Is It Real or Is It Silly? Silly. Adjective. Laughable or amusing through foolishness or a foolish appearance. Is that for real? Is it real? Silliness. Okay, is it real? Wow. Double wow! Silliness is defined as engaging in a ludicrous folly. Ladies and gentlemen of Bill's Mafia, I have a fill-in guest this week for Is It Real or Is It Silly? You know him. You love him. He's fresh off a successful, by the way, friendship quest for Reed Ferguson. Dank, how are you today? Feeling extra friendly today. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. I really enjoyed the last time I was here and got to talk football with you and answer questions. And yes, uh, as you pointed out, I am now officially done and over with my 69 consecutive days of asking Reed Ferguson to be my friend on Twitter. And I'm happy to say the story has a happy ending. We are pals. Fairy tale endings do come true. Couldn't have couldn't have asked for anything better. I'm, I, you know, I guess I'm holding out until week one when, uh, you know, the game's on the line and and he's at that you know pivotal game winning field goal position in the game and at the last second he says timeout and he pulls me out of the stance and says why don't you get in there for me Dan I trust you and he <laughs> and and the team allows me to to snap the ball to to the place kicker and Tyler Bass hits the longest recorded field goal in NFL history and. And they carry me off the the field. I I I just think that's gonna happen week one. I can you know, I can hold out till week two if if I have to. But I, that's what I'm thinking. So just look out for that. Power social media, man, can change lives. Change lives. All right. Brand new segment I started last week. Uh, my usual co-host Justin Goddard is unavailable this week because well he's a slacker. I'm just kidding, Justin. I love you. Um, but we have a very capable and very fun fill-in this week in the form of Dank. And we're going to go ahead and get started with the first question. Question one. All right. Dank, do you think the Jets win at least five games this year? 
Jets winning at least five games, real possibility or silly to even consider. I say it's a real possibility. Real. I certainly don't think that they're about to regress because I don't think that they can get any worse. Uh, that's my guess. They've got themselves a new shiny quarterback I'm sure is going to take some slow baby steps into adjusting to the league but he you know he went in the first round for a reason uh, they've got some you know they've made minor adjustments in the offseason like I said it's it's there's no way that they're going to get any how, how do you get any worse you've you've got your new coach correct <laughs> I think Adam Gase is gone um you've got your new quarterback you've got some new tools and offense five games seems pretty reasonable um I think I can officially very confidently on the record say that none of those wins are going to be against us. I don't think any of those wins are going to be against anybody in our division, to be honest. I think the Dolphins and the Patriots will destroy the Jets just as we will will certainly do twice uh, in this next coming uh, football season. But realistically, winning five games, I could see it. I, I hate to disagree with you, Dank, but I... I don't know that I'm and it all comes down to Zach Wilson and I'm not sure that I'm a, a believer in him. I know he's been practicing like really bad. He doesn't feel like a leader. He doesn't have, uh, I don't feel like he's got a, like a presence in the locker room that people are going to respond to. Yeah, of course he was great in college, but this is the NFL. It's a, it's big boy time, but, um, I don't know. I liked their defensive line. They did upgrade the offensive line. They have a couple of new offensive weapons there. You know, they're not completely bereft of talent. So maybe I should have made the over under at six, but I, I think I'm going to go under. I might say three or four, even if I think they're moving in the right direction. I'm not sure how much I believe in Zach Wilson. I think to your point um, about Zach Wilson not making this giant impact and commanding a lot of trust and, and attention right away this is you know this is his intro into the league and it's up to him to to take the reins and be the leader but you know you got veterans on the on that team no, nobody won over the the affections of anybody on any team in the preseason summer training camp before they even played their first preseason game you know once he's actually on the field and and it's it's official and he's really you know, everything he does really, really matters play by play. And he has to adjust to it in the real time in the regular season. Then I think people might start if, if he came in and just started being, you know, king shit and, you know, acting like he's a big deal before he's even taken the first preseason snap. I think that would have turned more players off than him sort of slowly uh, taking his time to develop in the league. You know, I, I don't think Josh Allen walked in day one to the locker room and was like, this is my offense now. You know, everybody get ready to, it's Peter to work with me. Yes, he knew. He put his time in and he watched and observed the great ones do their thing. And then he was able to succeed from there. So uh, that Josh Allen notebook of things to not do probably filled up pretty quick. Uh, but now he doesn't do those things. So that's no. why you don't want it. So somebody like Cam Newton, who might come into a Patriots offense and be a little you know, have his little swagger, you know, it, it, it instills a little bit of confidence, I guess, but I'm saying it doesn't matter what your appearance, your, your 
the way you carry yourself until week one when it actually comes down to it. You could have all the style and all the swagger you want until game one, week one, and the final score says that you win. It doesn't really matter. I I understand what you're saying, and I am completely open to being wrong because I think a team could hire me to be their professional scout, listen to my advice, and go, "Now nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to do the opposite of that. And I'd make a lot of money. So I'm I'm probably wrong, and I don't have any way to quantify that feeling other than it's just it's a feel like it's pretty subjective and soft. But I think there's a difference between the way like a guy like Trevor Lawrence might carry himself as opposed to the way Zach Wilson is carrying himself. But you're right; like that's another kind of way to turn people off is coming and trying to be big shit on your first day. Mm-hmm. Trevor right. Lawrence, that's a good point that you brought up. Trevor Lawrence, uh, I mean. He's earned the right to be boastful, I guess, or or, or, pr- or confident entering, but he'll only really truly succeed if he can, you know, humble himself. Uh, how many quarterbacks have gone in the top three picks that are are not starting right now? One of them used to be in uh, in New York, and and now he's down in the Carolinas. So. Uh, I forget where I was going with that. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Attitude is everything. Yeah. And he, and to be fair, Sam Darnold had the right attitude, you know? So he, I'm open he to also being wrong. had he, he had the right attitude. He also had mono and a lot of other issues too around a him. But bad head coach, bad offensive line, bad supporting weapons, handing the ball off to Frank Gore 15 times a game. He had no chance there, but all right, so you mentioned Cam Newton. Cam is question number two. Question two. So everything that I've seen, of course, you don't only really see the negative or the really positive ones, but I've not heard very many positive stories coming out of New England right now about Cam Newton. I've seen some really bad throws. He was pretty terrible last year, but he's back. For some reason, whether it's blackmail or whatever the reason is, he's back with Bill Belichick, the presumed starter for the Patriots right now. Dank, do you think he starts more than eight games? I think Cam Newton will start 49% of the games for New England, as in less than half. I think he will have the starting job week one just because it it'll just I mean unless Mac Jones is about to absolutely wow the pants off lots of people which is really difficult to do in your very first couple of weeks you know months with the team uh he's just got the career and the experience and now having a year under his belt under the you know under Belichick and and the rest of the offense it, it seems like a more logical pick to start i think they're going to give him enough chances to prove himself i i can see him you know winning his handful of games here but if i were a betting man i would say it's silly to predict that he will be starting more than half of the games in new england a bunch of silliness thank you for bringing it back to silliness i agree with you i think i i don't think belichick cares if he gets 150 yards and a touchdown from his quarterback every week. But I think he's looking to get 70, 60, 70, 80 rushing yards with Cam. And that's how he wants to win. He wants to stifle your offense and control the ball and run it out and make it difficult on you. If Cam, 
is ineffective, and I think it's very likely he's ineffective. Again, I just I have a feeling that either Mac Jones or Brian Hoyer can step in and do pretty much the same thing, maybe a little bit more passing yards, a little bit less rushing yards. So. I think it's easier to, to get in the head of a rookie QB because once that tide shifts early on in a game and, and you've got the momentum in your favor, you, you know that the pressure is mounting on them. Kansas at least had a little bit of experience to know that anything can happen in a game and, and knows that it's it's possible for, you know, uh, to have a poor performance and still be able to, to turn it around. He had a pretty average performance against us uh, the first time we faced uh, the Patriots last year and you know how quickly things turned when and all it took was a little Zimmer knockout and and all we were just we just had them in in the palm of our hands for the rest of the year that the, the game after that we you know we just destroyed them but I think it's easier to get into the head of a rookie QB so I, I think they're hoping that Cam's done a little bit of maturing over the offseason and said all right look at now you know what we're up against you know that they're not getting any worse our opponents are getting better so we got to be ready for that if you're if you're able to take a you know a calm experienced mature veteran approach to this then i think we can work something out that, that we can make you a, a promising starter do i think he's going to be there by the end of the season starting job mm, probably not yeah i agree and i don't feel like belichick's going to turn to the rookie i think it'll more than likely be Brian hoyer Okay. Question number three, the last one. Question three. Stefan Diggs leads the league in receptions again this year. Is that real or is that silly? It's going to be, it's going to, it's not my prediction. It's going to be a reality that he has as good of a season as he did last year. I think it's silly to say that he's going to lead. A bunch of silliness. Only because Josh Allen has taken the red pill and, and not the red pill that you're thinking. I'm thinking of like the communism red pill in that everybody gets a share. Everybody gets the workload evenly. We succeed together. He's unionizing the team. I think Kumaro is going to get his fair share of touchdowns versus last year with his uh, single solitary one. We see he's just good enough that he can spread the workload out evenly amongst his receivers. And yes, I I think we're he I think Stefan's stats might actually suffer because Cole Beasley and Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie are going to get these extra targets now just because he's going to keep slinging them and slinging them and slinging them and they're just going to cons our opponents are constantly going to keep preparing to double team Stefan Diggs. So I think Josh Allen's going to look at that and say, all right, well. Uh, Hodgkins, you know, you're getting a, a couple touchdowns. Hey, I think he's ready to have his first like multi, multi receiving touchdown year himself. I think he's re Josh Allen himself is ready to catch a few more touchdowns in the end zone himself. So I, I say no, Stefan Diggs will not be leading the league in rushing yards, but only because the rest of the team and the rest of the offense and the talent positions at offense are going to be sharing a, an even workload. Okay. All right. I agree. Um, I think that's silly and maybe not necessarily as much. Uh, maybe you're saying it a little bit more extreme than I want to say, but maybe I'm saying it a lot stupider than you're probably <laughs> trying to say. 
Nah. Uh, well, there's a couple of things I can think of. I just think it's really hard to league the league again two consecutive years. What if Dawson Knox takes a step? What if the running game takes a step? What if Devin Singletary becomes a receiving threat out of the backfield? So I think it could get spread around a little bit. And, you know, ideally, we'd like to, I think, we'd like to become a more balanced offense and be effective at it. I don't want that. I want to pass the ball every fucking down, but you know, most football minds would tell you that, you know, you want to be a little bit more balanced and I think that could take away some chances. Is he still going to be our most explosive player on offense? Uh, I'd say a thousand percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I'm it's, it's not necessarily, uh, going to be because of a drop off in his ability or his skill, much like if we have statistical regression from Josh Allen, it's not because he can't do it. It's because he, what does the game plan call for? And if we, we can have smarter about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we can do it. He proved it last year. He basically dragged this offense to the postseason with him. Josh did. And Stefan Diggs came along for the ride. Um, but if if we're smarter about it, it doesn't have to be that way. And maybe the defense steps up so we don't have to be throwing the ball that much. So I think there's a lot of different variables there. So I'm going to agree with you. I think that would be silly. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got to the second week of this silly segment. <laughs> and, and what a silly time it was. What a silly time it was. Thank you so much, Dan, for – giving me a few minutes of your time and filling in for Justin Goddard, who will be back next week. All right. Well, this is awkward because I didn't want to bring it up, but I was going to ask what, what if I do way better than he did? Do I become the permanent replacement or, you know, we can, we can discuss that off the air, but that's fine. I'm, I'm sure the fans will be happy to have him back, but um, just in case I'm, I'm available. So, <laughs> just saying. I'm going to tell Justin to DM you. You guys can find it out. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Dan Konopsky, you can find him on Twitter at KNOP917 right there on Twitter. You also can find him. Where can we find your videos on YouTube? I did that really smart thing when you're trying to make online content, and that's have a different username for every social media app for some reason. Um, But if if you are interested, there is a link on my Twitter to my YouTube channel and my whole read video playlist. Uh, My YouTube channel is Heisenberg White. Uh, I upload whatever I'm feeling. I think I am shifting more into Buffalo sports content, but there's so many better Buffalo sports content creators out there. Trust me. Most of them can be found on the built in Buffalo network of podcast creators. So I definitely recommend checking them out there. But if you do decide to come by, say hi, check out some of the old read videos. I'll be happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me on again. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. You are one of the most creative people in the community and uh, it's my pleasure. And thank you for the built in Buffalo drop. Appreciate that. Cause you are part of the team. Hell yeah. Let's go. Do we have a, do we have a slogan? Maybe Let's that, make one. Maybe right you now. should make one. Yeah. What do you think? Built in, built in Buffalo. We talk sports and we talk about it, and we're really smart at it. Go <laughs> Buffalo sports. And just have a little Subscribe. jingle behind it. Yeah. I'm gonna put. <laughs> I'm gonna take that out, and I'm gonna put some music on it, and I'm, it's going up. Auto tune it. Yep, it's going up tonight. All right, I want to copyright officially copyright that um, dank circa 2021 um, 
Yes, I'll, I'll have my lawyers get in contact with you, and I'll start working on the remix. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, Dan, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your night. Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat, a built in Buffalo production. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Be ready. It might be chilly. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, you just heard him on Is It Real or Is It Silly? He's also taking a hot seat turn this week. Back for the second time. Dan, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, happy to do this again. I feel like I've done a lot of maturing since we last talked. I feel like I've done a lot of growing up. I've had a lot of time to reflect. Um, I think I'm really going to impress some people with, with my hot takes today and my football knowledge. So thank you for having me on again. I got to tell you, I'm not enjoying the more mature day in that you know, five minutes ago. I'm just not, I'm not enjoying it. You'll, 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 you'll get used to it. You'll find by more mature. It just means like I'm a little more tired. I'm pretty much exactly the same. So (laughs) okay, I'm ready. Uh, This seat could not be any hotter right now. So I'm ready. Let's go. All right. So you're an old vet, so you know the rules, but 10 questions in front of me, which number would you like? Are all of the numbers available right now? You're the first one to go this week. So you have all the numbers. Six. <laughs> okay. I have a feeling I know where you're going to go with this, but. You don't know me. All right, go ahead. <laughs> uh, is Jake Kumaro really a rosterable NFL receiver at the age of 29? My serious answer is weirdly yes. Could you put any average-ish wide receiver in front of Joshua Allen and he can hold his own and you know if he if he can hustle out in front of a few defenders every now and then catch a ball from Josh Allen yeah I guess I guess anybody who can marginally call themselves talented enough to to play wide receiver in the NFL can benefit from having a good coach and a good quarterback to work with so yeah but Jake himself uh he's got a super impressive wide receiver room and roster to work with too to bounce off of to take inspiration from but as a seasoned veteran himself I think he's learned enough in the league to be more than an at you know just a, a, a bench you know kind of warming asset i think uh, he actually can see some legitimate action this year i think it would be foolish to underestimate anybody catching the ball uh from josh allen this season do i see him staying and being a permanent fixture in our offense again my answer is probably weirdly yeah i i don't see any reason not to uh if he's familiar with the the play calling and and is enjoying his time being there and is showing enough skills of being proficient enough to to carry his own weight as the you know wide receiver five or six or 12 i don't know where he would fit i guess but yeah i don't i don't see him being as part of the offense as a negative asset and if you can do better than last year which is 
one for one, right? I think uh, I think he he's positioned to do better than most people would give him credit for. So I'm rooting for him. And do I think that he has what it takes to make it this year, the year of our Lord, 2021 to 2022? Weirdly, yeah, I'd say. So I need to declare, I need to give some context on the way I feel about him. I'm not actively rooting against him. I don't care if he makes their offers. If he does, that's fine. Well, that's I think you told me before you went on the air. You were saying all sorts of horrible things about him, his family, his haircut. I is that not public knowledge? You you were really going into him. Jeez. Okay, whatever you say. So all right, go, go ahead. No, uh, I'm not actually rooting against him, but given that he's 29 years old and he's been on he's been on Green Bay's roster, he's been on our roster, but he's never really been able to stick around, and. I don't know, like if he makes it and he's a number six, there's probably a pretty good chance that many weeks he's not even active. You know, he's just there. He's, you know, one of the end of the roster guys. But we have seen, I think, this story before. We've had Brandon Riley's. We've had Marcus Murphy's. We had Duke Williams, who Duke Williams is still trying to get to where Jake Coomer is right now. So I'm skeptical. And I, I mean, I, I predicting that he's not going to make it. But if he does make it, I don't have a problem with it. I'm not, I'm not mad at it. The Duke Williams point is an interesting one, too. He he just seems to be stuck in purgatory, you know. He's got a lot of hype, and he's got years now being affiliated with the team. He's never really underperformed. He's never performed enough, I guess, when, when the spotlight was on him to overly impress anybody. Uh, I, I think they keep the people around that they do for for reasons other than just their skill alone. I, I, they're part of a scheme or, or a network of, uh, you know, athletes that, that seem to mesh well together and, and bounce off each other and learn well. So uh, Duke would be a really cool person to bring back into the spotlight here in the rest of the preseason if he gets the chance. And same with Jake. I could see both of them given the opportunity to really shine and earn their spot again. But clearly they're doing enough, at least right now, to to work enough to be considered as part of the conversation, be part of as cl- or as close to the starting roster, even if they're just a little bit on the edge. Yeah, I, f- I feel like that catch on the sideline or non-catch against Detroit for Duke is a perfect metaphor for his entire career. Like he's just spectacular, meant nothing. (laughs) Well, well, he's like just so close. Like couldn't get the other foot down. And then uh, Fromm overthrew him. And then he had to drop touchdown pass against the Texans. Like that's his career. Like he's just, he's so close, but he's just not where he needs to be. I don't know. I mean, a guy like that. What the hell, Duke? Get on (laughs) on it. Get your shit together, Duke. (laughs) <laughs> he's accomplished more than I ever will. <laughs> well, he, I think he led the CFL in receiving. I believe that's true. I have to go back and look it up, but I, I think I remember that. Um, and again, there's a lot of people out there still to this day who are on the Duke Williams bandwagon. Hey, let's make Duke Williams a tight end because, I mean, you know, Tim Tebow's doing it, I guess, or not anymore, but. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of feel the same way about Kumaro. I think he's a camp hero. And um, I really think that because they did select Hodgins in the draft, he has a leg up. That's 
and my personal feeling, but I don't really care. I don't have a dog in this fight. Don't give a rat's ass, Dink. The only dog we got is winning the gosh darn Super Bowl this year. And I don't care if we target Cole Beasley 999 times in a row, and that's what it takes. I think they should do that. Who will see that coming? <laughs> well, because I see after like the 20th time around, there's like, there's no way they're going to do it. 21 exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's no way they're going to do it 22 times in a row. <laughs> You're a genius. You you need to be Brian Dable's assistant. That's your next quest. That's, oh, yeah. Just be (laughs) like, I could just hand him, you know, water when he needs it. I could just be, (laughs) I could see him all the way up in the 300 sections in the little booth going, Dan, this drink's all right, but I really like that sideline Gatorade. Could you go down and get me some? And I go, (sighs) I run all the way down the stairs and I go to to get the Gatorade and I bring it all the way back up. And he goes, oh, is this the cherry? I, I kind of wanted the, the lemon lime. Could you go get me the, the other kind? I go, oh, God. <laughs> I'm doing it for the team, man. It's all for, for the, the team. team. <laughs> That's your next quest. That is, is, is Brian Dable on Twitter? Yes, but I imagine he's probably busier drawing up plays. The, you know, he's probably too busy working oh, on his up. playbook than to hold interact up. with me on For Twitter. What I understand is you might have an in. You might have a friend on the team that can introduce you. That's a really good point. I would love to use what I've built with Reed as a launching off point to get too closer to somebody else. I think that's like <laughs> the mark of a good friendship is being able to sort of monetize or like monopolize your position with them and their goodwill and take that and just use it for your own advantage. I think I'm, I might do that. I'm, thank you. Yes. How can I make this benefit me? How can I make this work for me? Yes. <laughs> I want to get Gatorade for Brian Dable. I know just how to do it now. Hey, uh, that's funny that you brought up Reed Ferguson, our long snapper snap flow 69 on twitter because we just had a really cool call together uh that marked our friend crusade on twitter in it we gave a very special shout out to the most random charity that we could pick at the time we i mean we literally kind of closed our eyes and just you know threw a dart and and got uh the young williams animal shelter knoxville tennessee Neither of us have been there before, nor had we previously communicated with anybody from there, but they save animals. That was good enough for us. So if you are listening now and want to do some, build up some good Bill's karma before the season uh, and do something nice, check out the Young Williams Animal Shelter. They are on Twitter. You can check them out at their website too. Send them a donation. Let them know that Dan and Reed sent you and uh, help out some, some, uh, some puppies today in Knoxville. For no reason other than that's just a really cool thing to do. Dan, you're the man. All right. Thank you. Thank you again I, for having me. I uh, I enjoy your stuff. I enjoy your videos. I'm, I'm sad it's over, but I'm glad you got a friend. And I'm looking forward to whatever next project you, know, you decide to put together. I'm sure it's going to be awesome because you are just such a, a creative and weird mind. <laughs> Oh, that's a really nice way to put it. <laughs> Thank you. I, no. I'm always flattered that anybody even thinks to bring me on a show like this. I, I love to 
bring the legitimacy of somebody else's show down a little bit with me <laughs> so I can have my fun. But this oh. is a very good, very good show. You've got some very creative and clever ideas uh, that, that you come up with week after week. And uh, I'm excited that I get to be a part of it. So thank you. So you've actually heard my show, right? Yeah, I only seem to listen to the ones that have me in them. Um, <laughs> so you know I mean, like, that you're bringing up the quality of this joint. Yeah, if, the, if, if you're only going to listen to one or two episodes now, I would definitely recommend the ones that have Dank in the title. But other than that, just across the board, I'd say the quality is there. Uh, it would be in a listener's best interest to let them to let the people know that they appreciate your show by doing what would you say? Where Where can they show their support can they rate the podcast at all anywhere can they tag you on twitter well i would always appreciate a thoughtful review and tagging dank but i would appreciate more if you donate to causes that are close to dank's heart that would be not it's we can just keep donating the same money circling back and forth between each other and the rest of the community from, from now until the end of the season. I think I want to send you some money and support you for what you do. And you say, well, I want to send you some money and support you for what you do. I say, let's throw it all at the, uh, the charity because good things happen when the Bills Mafia comes together and donates to charity. We seem to make the playoffs a lot when we do that. So let's keep doing that. Okay. <laughs> Dan Konopsky at KNOP917. Thank you so much, Dan. I, I appreciate it. Love your work. Look for more of it. Enjoy the rest of your night. I had a fantastic time. Thank you very much. Bill's Mafia, next up in the hot seat, I have another first timer this week. Joining me over from the Hoof Podcast. Sterling Furrow, how are you doing tonight? Oh man, I'm doing good. Uh, look, the the fact that you uh, when you when you hit me up was like I want you on the show. I was like, let's do it. Like there was no hesitation at all. Big fan of your work. Uh, you know, I got friends over there built in Buffalo too. So uh, I, I'm excited, man. I'm ready to do this. Yeah, I I've seen you hanging out with Dave every now and then. Yeah, Dave is uh, Dave's a homie. You know, hey Rich, those are my those are my guys, man. Yeah, they've been good to me. I have no complaints with those guys. They've been really good to me. But thank you so much for the kind words. Um, but like I said, I have the 10 questions in front of me. And you can have any number you like except number six because it's already been taken. Okay. All right. So you want you want me to pick a number? Yes, sir. Three. <laughs> okay. As you um, laugh. <laughs> No, I've I've tried to get this one out there just because I think it's a good conversation to start. It's maybe not necessarily Bills, but it's AFC East. So okay, um, I might be of the opinion that the Dolphins might have a better backup quarterback than what their starter is in Tua. But let's just say that Tua starts all seventeen games this year. What do you think his stat line looks like? Tua's stat line. I think he will be a 62% completion percentage. I think he will amass probably uh, 17 touchdowns and uh, nine interceptions. I think he'll throw for about 3,200 yards. Um, I would even go to say he may have like 
six lost fumbles as well. Okay. So pretty moderate, like nothing yeah. that's the completion percentage is probably a little bit high because he can hit those running backs out of the backfield. But, <laughs> and he's got Gasecki there too, but yeah, uh, I, I wanted to root for Tua because he seems like such a nice guy. Like he's got the nice smile and he was just a guy that like, and then he goes to the dolphins. And I'm like, well, I don't want to root for this guy anymore. But last year he seemed, you know, I thought it would be harder when he really wasn't that great last year outside of, you know, he, he would show up in some moments where he got the short fields because of the defense. And I, I don't know, like his teammates were questioning him. His coach was questioning him, put him on the bench just because it's the second quarter or whatever. But uh, I don't know. I'm kind of of the opinion that I think, Jacoby Brissett is the better quarterback, but they're going to stick with Tua because they invested him. Do you think I'm wrong there? That oh, that's tough because I, you know, we we know what jo- Jacoby Brissett is. I, he's a quality backup, right? And I'm not very high on Tua, but I think he's going to have his his ceiling is Kirk Cousins, uh, because of what they're putting around him is going to make him a little, a little bit better than he actually is. I I think he has moderate to average arm strength. Uh, I think that he needs to uh, there's a few throws that he doesn't necessarily uh, consistently have. Um, Also, I think that he's, when you come from Alabama with all those weapons, you're spoiled. I think, you know, sometimes I think from a quarterback position, I don't think they they just haven't shown the ability to bounce back from adversity. I mean, name name an Alabama quarterback that has produced since Saban has been there at the school. Yeah, good point. Right. They usually have the best offensive lineman. You can sit back there and, you know, smoke a cigarette if you want to. But Right. uh, Exactly. Yeah. And the Dolphins are not rich with talent on the offensive line right now. And I think they just traded for Greg little and I don't know what you can expect there, but you know, that's not Alabama and sitting back there and making the long read doesn't seem to be his strength right now. So, and what do you think? And there's something to be said that, you know, when wide receivers that he's played with just automatically vouch for Mac Jones, I think that's an indictment against, you, you don't hear that about top quarterbacks. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I haven't heard that. Like, they all prefer Mac Jones because they, they were asked a lot of Alabama wide receivers last year. You know, you, you played with Tua. You play you play with Mac Jones. Which which quarterback do you prefer? And they say Mac Jones. The Dolphins do? Wow. Okay. Yeah, no, I, out, out, former Alabama players. Okay. Vouch for Mac Jones over Tua. Go look it up. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't necessarily have a very high opinion of Mac Jones either. So that no, is exactly. saying something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I still, at one point, I thought the Dolphins would be the biggest threat to the Bills in the AFC East. I've since, maybe I've come around a little bit and revised my prediction. So I, I'm going back to picking the Patriots to be number two. I still think the Dolphins are going to have a good defense, but I, I mean, like last year, the Dolphins players were open about questioning him being the guy. And, you know, Fitz isn't there to pull up, put out any fires for him. Um, Brissett's a fine backup, 
maybe a low end starter, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, am I wrong about that? Do you think that the Patriots are the number two team in the AFC East? Uh, you know what? I'm still gonna, it, it's a toss up because I do think there's value in what the dolphins bring to the table. I think they're, they're a good team. Uh, you, you don't just win 10 games, right? Was it 10 games they won last year? As, as, and they still miss the playoffs. They're a good team. You know, you can't really hate on them. They're coached very well. Brian Flores is an amazing coach. Mike Gusecki is a really good budding young tight end. They got some good pieces on defense. Xavier Howard is, is you know, Byron Jones. I mean, they, they got guys that that, that can play. Um, it just it just matters which tour you're going to get. Now, I think from an overall coaching standpoint, uh, maybe uh, I, I think the Dolphins have the better roster. I, I would say the Patriots have the better offensive line. Uh, but Cam Newton, we don't know. I mean, Cam Newton's done. He's put a fork in him. He is done. Yeah. Right. So you give the edge to Tua right now. I give the edge. Tua's a better quarterback than than Cam Newton right now. So I give the edge to the Dolphins. Yeah, I get that too. Um you know, they're both going to have good defenses. I don't think Bill Belichick cares if he has a 300 yard passer. I think he's perfectly fine getting 150 passing yards and a touchdown and then trying to get 60 yards rushing on the ground from cam. Um, so they're going to play, I think a little bit differently, but I don't know. I, I don't hate that. And I, I agree with you. I just don't think either team has a quarterback that I'm super worried about. And to your point where the dolphins won 10 games last year and being extremely well coached. Well, Maybe some of those wins are because of fits. And I ha- I think some of the shine for me personally has worn off on Flores because of the way he handled last year. It feels like he got the worst of both worlds. So I think he damaged to his reputation and his confidence and he still missed the playoffs. And so he didn't develop his quarterback, but he's tried to go for it all at the same time. And he missed on both counts. So I think, I think his shine has worn off a little bit just for me. So from the outside looking in, I I see the the perception bias there, but I think you have to look at ownership too. Um, I I think he's uh, what's her, what's her owner's uh, owner's name. Uh, He, he, he went to the university of Michigan. He's a Michigan guy. I just, I can't just, I can't remember his name right now, but I think he probably had more to say in the two uh Ryan Fitzpatrick uh discussion than we uh give credit for. Well, I don't know that to be true. It could be, but it's also true that Fitzpatrick started the year and they didn't have a strong start. Right. No, that's very true. But I, you know, I just sometimes I just think, you know, like it's so it I get tunnel vision and I and I I want to be like analytical in a sense to where like I want to look at every possible angle. And I think just because they haven't really had good ownership, he's always kind of been meddling in the background. You know, that's just stuff that I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think he had a lot to say about the whole Tua uh, coming in and playing and, and yanking, you know, because they, they want that young quarterback and they missed out. They missed out on Deshaun Watson. They had opportunities to get a franchise quarterback and they, for some reason, they missed just Justin Herbert. Like, mm. Like you know what I'm saying? So yeah, there's pressure on that on that franchise to, to produce a quarterback. When you're looking over there and you're seeing Justin Herbert throw it all over the yard, and two is over here with a clipboard and he's talking about his hip hurting or whatever. Yeah, you're just like, Man, I need some return on this investment. 
Yeah, the year so, before, Tua was projected to go number one, and he didn't. And then he gets hurt and it hurts his hip. So they were thinking, "Haha, we got the value." But I, I don't know. I, I suppose it could have been us, like if we didn't hit on Josh Allen because of we, when we traded the Trey White pick. Uh, and by the way, I love Trey. I'm not bashing Trey, but you know, if we don't have Josh Allen, maybe we do look at that a little bit differently too. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was one of the guys that I wanted Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, uh, at pick 10. I didn't, I didn't like the fact that they traded back and, and got Trey White in the later round, later round one. I wanted, I think, you know, if you're coming in as a head coach, why not just attach your name to, to a quarterback? I don't understand to this day why they didn't do that. Now they're going to say, well, they didn't have a GM in place and blah, blah, blah. I think Brandon, they knew Brandon Bean was coming over. He was just tying up loose ends with the draft and stuff with the Carolina Panthers. They, they, Sean McDermott knew. Don't you think if you had a friend that, that, that a job open, aren't you going to tell your buddy, Hey, this is, this is yours for the taking. I've already talked to, to Terry and Kim and we're just waiting on you, buddy. I'm going to handle the draft, but when you get here, we're going to sort everything out. It's probably the conversation in so many words. Well, I don't know. I suppose it's possible. I don't want to say that it's out of the realm of possibility, but I don't, I don't know that I'd go that far. I still think they were looking. I don't know that it was locked up that, Hey, beans coming. Cause why would Bean give a shit about the Panthers? <laughs> he just come over and do the thing with the bills. Well, okay. So this is just, and I love that. I love the conversation. I just think that like, what this, this is what we notice about, NFL personnel, like head coaches, that you know this. There's not all. There's not a, a, a ton of new head coaches. They're, they're they're they just go from one place to the next. It's a it's a it's a uh, it's a good old boys club. They they look after their own. So everything that we know about Brandon Bean, he's very meticulous. He's very uh, he, he's a man of his word. So you know he's gonna do stuff the right way. So he's just not gonna. See ya. The dude was in Carolina for uh, like 14 years. He's just not going to just be like, ah, deuces. He's going to do it the right way. You know what I'm saying? I, I think there's nothing that happens in the NFL uh, that just on a whim. I was talking to ben Benjamin Albright, you know, uh, before he, he was on our show. And he was like, man, a lot of this stuff happens days before, before it hits the media. This stuff is already in the motion. Like they, they, these players and coaches and so forth. They know what's going on before we even do. So I don't know. There's just a this different side to a perspective to look at. No, I mean, I believe that like they choose when to leak things. Right. So uh, before Sal or, you know, Matt Perino or anybody knows whatever's going on, like the people in the building know and the people involved know, and it might be a day, it might be a week, but is it months or years though? I don't know. I don't know if I can go that far, but I'm I'm not willing to say that like it's absolutely completely 100%. No. I'm just saying, I don't know. It's kind of a long shot. I don't want to take it off the table though. Did you hear? Okay, here's one for you. Did you hear about let me, let me tell you this. Just just came out this week that uh Bill Belichick has been going out and this is documented, okay? Bill Belichick was going after Zach Ertz. He was saying Howie Roseman wanted two first round picks. Bill Belichick also told Zach Ertz, "We're gonna we're gonna come get you at some point," and and he's in trouble. It's alleged it's alleged now that that Belichick might get in trouble for tampering. Hmm. Well, that would make sense. That would be 
you know, the holdup for the whole trade the bills thing and whatever, like I'm there, I know I have a better offer possibly coming. So I just kind of want to sit on it and see where it goes. That, that would make sense with the urge thing, I guess. Yeah. All, all I'm just saying is this, this stuff that, you know, I think there's uh there's always more layers to it than, than even we understand and know is all. Well, if we know one thing about Bill Belichick is he's always on the up and up and always doing everything the right way. Right. <laughs> Yes, he he is the epitome of of truth and honesty. That's right. He's the guy you hold up in church. <laughs> yes, the example. Yes. <laughs> All right, Sterling, man, it's, this was fun. Let's do it again sometime. Absolutely, man. Hey, I appreciate you having me on, Vince. Uh, look, keep keep up the amazing work, man. Tell the guys over there uh, at your network. I said, what's up? If I don't hear from them. And, uh, man, I'll see you on the other side. Yeah. Hey, um, yeah, thank you so much. Just one more time, why don't you tell the good people where they can find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Ferro Sterling, and I am a part of the Cover One Network and host of the Hoof Podcast. And when does Hoof come out? The Hoof comes out on Tuesday nights. We're live on YouTube and Twitter. And then on Wednesday, it comes out in podcast form. Wednesday it comes down podcast form. And then once the season starts, we'll have a pod, a separate pod that drops on Fridays. Okay. Anything else we should look out for from you, Sterling? Uh, that's it, man. Okay. I, again, I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Give me a few minutes. Enjoy the rest of your night. Hey man. Thank you. Bill's Mafia, that is it. That is all I have for you this week. Somehow you have stuck it through all the way to the end of another episode. So pat yourself on the back. That's not easy to do, subjecting yourself to this kind of nonsense. But thank you so much to Dank for filling in for Justin and taking a turn in the hot seat. Looking forward to getting Justin back in his regular seat next week. And thank you so much for Sterling for agreeing to come on and not know really what he's getting himself into. But Man, thank you so much. It was a great conversation. A big fan of his work. And he's even cooler than you think he is. So thank you, Sterling, for agreeing to come on. We will talk to you all next week. Until then, please wear a mask. Please be kind to everybody around you. And go Bills. Here we are. I'm out of my third Pro Bowl. We're talking about our idiot podcaster. Who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So what has the sports world come to? And we're talking about idiot. Podcaster. He is ruined. Podcaster. For life. Akers and Vinatieri, these guys are great guys. They've been getting killed all week because our idiot ran his mouth. So when I get home, I'll deal with it. Tony and I talk about it. It's kind of funny, really, when you think about it. If he is still a teammate, we'll deal with it. You know, it remains to be seen. But the sad thing is, Lynn, he's a good podcaster. But he's an idiot. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention, Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cryass. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. <laughs>
That's all, folks. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.